Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Training with Tucker podcast. My name is Tucker Gross. I am an endurance athlete and coach. I started this podcast to put out short weekly episodes on a variety of different training topics to help athletes out there improve and to have a deeper understanding of how to train. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed and listened, as well as given reviews and ratings on my previous episodes. Today, I am bringing on Elizabeth Scott to chat about mental tips for training and racing. Elizabeth is a runner, run coach, and the founder of Running Explained, which offers evidence-based training, coaching, and education for runners of all abilities and experience levels. You can find her on Instagram at Running Explained, and be sure to check out her podcast, The Running Explained Podcast, in particular episode four, in which I was a guest on her show. Her podcast is fantastic, and she does a lot of great Q&A-based episodes that answer common questions that runners have. So go subscribe and check out her podcast. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Elizabeth Scott. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I am great. I'm very excited to be here. So thank you for having me as this is my first ever podcast appearance as a guest. So I am ready to go. (laughs) Very nice. Well, you were nice enough to have me on your podcast recently, which was a great experience. So I am very happy to return the favor and have you join me on my podcast. So today we're going to be chatting all about mental tips. I know we want to focus a lot on the mental side of racing, but there's a lot of carryover from mental practices and training that will help you in in racing. So I'm sure we will cover a lot of both, but I figured we could start out just by talking about how training in general builds your mental strength for race day. Yeah. And that's such a huge part of it too. I mean, when we're training for a long distance race, you know, the the longer distances like the half and the full and ultra distances, when you're putting in the miles, you're also putting in the time in your mind, right? So if you're out there running a two or three hour long run, it's not just the miles on your feet. It's the time you're spending in your brain, you know, getting used to running for that long. You're, you know, dealing with the boredom, dealing with the rough patches, dealing with the inclement weather, dealing with just this stuff that happens when you're out doing an activity for so long. So, you know, one of the most important parts of being properly trained for a long distance race is putting in the time and the effort because that includes the mental part too. It's not just about your feet. It's it's also about your mind. 100%. And so to timestamp this one, we're recording on April 6th, 2021. We are coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of my athletes, I'm sure a lot of your athletes and just runners in general have races on the schedule again, which is super exciting. And so I think this this whole conversation is very important to have right now as people head into their racing season. And a lot of people in the past year have gotten into running for the first time. So they might be going after their first half marathon, their first full marathon. And that can be very daunting to go out and, and take on your first attempt at one of those races. And something that I think is super important, I know is really important, is confidence and being confident that you can hold a certain pace or being confident that you can complete the distance. And so something that I do with my athletes that I think really helps with this is to build a really solid race plan. And I wanted to get your thoughts on how you develop a race plan or a strategy for race day with 
for yourself or with one of your athletes? Definitely. Yeah. And I have a, I actually, I have an actual like race day plan uh, that it's a, it's a free download on my website, but I also have a more in-depth version that I use when I work with my athletes in race day planning. But I really like what you said about kind of putting this conversation in context, because for most people in the history of running, um, they get into it in a fairly low stakes way where they sign up for a local 5k and like it's, they run, you know, some fun runs, or maybe they started running in school. Like it's a lot, they have, they usually pre pandemic racing is so common for most people that to get that experience of racing, because it is an experience, it is a skill that you have to experience to get better at. Um, when we have so many runners who've discovered running or who are leveling up from the pandemic, they've never had any racing experience or minimal racing experience. So to go into their very first race, I mean, a lot of us have raced a thousand 5Ks and not really thought about it. But for them, like they've been working towards this for maybe six months or a year without ever having raced before. And I think it's really important to keep, to consider the perspective of that heightened anxiety, that heightened, like I've never done this before, or this is so much newer to me than it was for those of us who started running before the pandemic, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's important to address those fears because they're real, you know? So, but back to having a race day plan. Uh, yes. I mean, to spend months, you know, depending on your goals, years uh, working towards one singular day and to not then have a plan for what is going to happen on that day is like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> like you just spent five months training for your marathon. And what do you mean? You don't know what shoes you're going to wear and what fuel you're going to take and all of that. So having a race day plan is super important, especially for, especially for those a races, those big, big races that you train for months towards. So a couple different things I work with my athletes on is the, the logistics. What are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? When are you going to get up? When are you get to the start line, what's going to be in your checked bag, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then the other part of it is the actual, the goal setting and the more mental side for the race. What is your, you know, A race goal, your B race goal, your C race goal, what I call it, the three words. Some people use mantras, like what are the things that you're going to say to yourself to motivate yourself? What are you going to do if the race crashes and burns? Like, how are you going to get out of that? Planning for the unknown helps take the anxiety out of it. So going through all those things before the race is really the best way to make sure that race date turns out as good as it possibly could. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, something that I like to do when I go through this process with, with my athletes is really focus on what has their training shown us? What does the data say they're capable of? So when we're coming up with that A, B, and C goal, it's based in what they've proven. And hopefully there's a, you know, a fitness test at some point, whether it's a 5K or a 10K for a half marathon or a half marathon as a fitness test for a marathon. So you have a good sense of what they're capable of. And you can go into that planning session with that data to to come up with a realistic plan. A lot of people, I think, you know, especially as they're pursuing, say, like a BQ time or wanting to PR, they go into it thinking, all right, well, this is the pace that I want to hold to hit this time and not with the uh, the approach of what has my training proven? What has this shown us and what is realistic? Because, yeah, you may have run a certain time in a certain distance two years ago. Well, we just had the, the past year you may not have raced and who knows what your training looked like. You might be at a different place now. So using your current training block to decide what is a realistic goal for you, I think is really important. Important. And 
something that you you mentioned there was going through all of the possible situations that you might face during a race. Something that I have used and I've encouraged some of my athletes to utilize as a as a practice is visualization. Is that something that you have done personally or with your athletes? I haven't done it with my athletes, but I have started doing it. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, I find one of the biggest traps that runners, including myself, tend to fall into is the expectation of how something's going to feel versus how it actually feels, especially with the marathon. Because I, part of what we talk about when you start out a race or really any, well, except for the 5k, you know, you usually want to start under your goal pace. And for the first part of the race, you want it to feel relatively easy, but that is with relatively is the key word here. Like marathon pace is never going to feel like your easy pace. It'll just feel manageable. And so, you know, framing the expectation of how things should feel will help runners not to freak out when things do get hard, but they didn't think they were going to feel this hard and how to deal with that. So in a way that is the visualization, right? So if you're visualizing, look, I'm at mile 10, my legs are, I'm starting to feel it. You know, I, I'm starting to breathe heavier. I'm in it now, as opposed to just assuming everything's going to be fine. Yeah. I, I think visualization can be a really helpful tool there. Yeah, certainly. And so it, it's something that I have encouraged my athletes to do where they a couple times in the in the taper period, ideally more than four or five days out from the race, because in that last few days, you really want to be just kind of in that that Zen state where you're not thinking and worrying too much about it. But a couple of times in the two weeks leading up to your race, take some time in a quiet space where you can close your eyes. And, you know, hopefully you've looked, been able to look over the, the course map and you have a sense of what the turns might be, where the hills might be, where the aid stations are. And you can walk through in your mind what the day is going to feel like, what the morning will feel like for you and walk through step by step each part of that day. You know, your pre-race meal, the transportation to the start line, uh, the excitement when you're waiting for the gun to go off and walk through everything and play out different scenarios, play out, you know, the feeling of crossing the finish line under your, your goal time, your A goal time and how that would feel, but then also go through different scenarios. How, how will you respond if you have GI issues? How will you respond if you start to have a side stitch or you're having pain in, in your knee or something? And going through some of those scenarios, I think can be helpful so that when and if they do pop up, you're already kind of more comfortable and, and able to respond well to them instead of thinking, oh my gosh, this isn't the picture perfect day that I imagined. Everything is going wrong. And you know, there goes my dreams. It's like you, you've planned for the good scenarios. You've planned for you know, best case, you plan for worst case. So you, you have the ability to kind of respond well to that. Um, something you also mentioned earlier was mantras. And I think that can be a really helpful practice to have. Are there any that you personally like or that you encourage your athletes? I know it's a very personal thing, but um, and also maybe you can give a little explanation of what a mantra is. Yeah. So a mantra is a repeated word or phrase that you can kind of uh, latch on to in your time of need to help you in wherever you need the help at the, in the race. So um, it can be anything, you know, some common ones are, you know, just keep running, just keep running, or I can do hard things or, and like you said, they're very personal. Like I, 
somebody a couple years ago and somebody was posting about mantras, they posted one. I was like, oh, that sounds good. And so I tried to use it in my next race and it did nothing for me. Like I may have just been repeating gibberish. Like I felt no emotional connection to it. So it's really important that you choose mantras, words, phrases that you personally identify with. Um, A couple ones that I personally like to use are don't panic. (laughs) Um, Of course, when things get hard, you you start to panic a little bit. So reminding myself, don't panic. Like, it's okay. It's supposed to feel this way. Don't panic. That's a good one. Breathe. Just like, you know, to just remember to breathe. If nothing else, just keep your breathing steady. Um, And then another one I like is, and I talked about this on a recent post, in stretches of races or in workouts even, like goal pace miles or a lactate threshold workout, when it's hard, but you're sustaining the pace, I like to tell myself, you live here now. Because that takes my focus off anything that happens in the future, because I live here now. Like I can't think about what's going to happen. I can't think about how it used to feel. I have to focus on how it currently feels and just live in the moment. So those are some of the ones that I use. And then of course, like it is super personal. So, uh, you know, I ask my athletes to choose three. So either words or phrases that they identify with for whatever reason, and they can be motivating or calming or whatever it is. Um, but just to have those three things in their pocket for race day, and even, you know, practicing them in workouts as well can help prepare you to use them on race day. Right. And I think you mentioned the one that, that I am fond of, uh, inspired by Dory from Finding Nemo of just keep running, just keep running. I think that's a really good one when, when times get tough and people will utilize that one. I, I like a lot of positive mantras because I think it's easy to, when things get difficult, to focus on the negative. And I like positive ones where maybe you're reinforcing to yourself, I am strong, or I can do this. Those sorts of things I think are very powerful. But like you said, having something that is meaningful to you, I think is really important as well. And something that I have utilized personally, and I've had athletes that have done this as well is not necessarily a mantra, but thinking about somebody in your life that, um, you know, might be going through some hard times, or, you know, might be having some health issues, or just somebody that really inspires you and focusing on that person a little bit when things get difficult. I think can also be be really powerful and, and help keep you going when things get tough. Yeah, that's as much as, you know, intrinsic motivation is really important. It's also important to sometimes step outside yourself and to kind of put everything in context, uh, you know, doing it for somebody else and not to say that, you know, oh, if I quit, my family won't love me because of course they will. But just, you know, it's sometimes it's not to say and this is kind of hard to say because I don't want to say like you should feel bad because you shouldn't, like you're doing an incredible thing and it's going to feel hard. But sometimes we do need that extra motivation of the the other people in our lives and who and why we run. That can be really powerful. Um, I, I like what you said about the positive words, positive motivation, because you can really, you can't really get that far on negative motivation or telling yourself that you suck or running on anger or all this type of stuff. Like it, it, it may, might fuel you for a little bit, but it's a dirty fuel. Like it's not, it's not going to get you to the end of the day feeling like we've accomplished something. Like having that much, that much anger coursing through your veins is not the way that we should be running races. So for people who find that kind of talking down to themselves is a way to motivate them, I would really encourage you to 
reframe how you're thinking and, and see if that's actually doing you more harm than it is good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and something that, that we have talked about is, you know, as you mentioned, the, the staying positive when things get difficult. I think a lot of people will face times in, in races, particularly longer endurance events where their goals kind of start to slip away or their goal pace starts to become awfully difficult or they start to feel kind of crappy and they're not able to maybe turn over their legs as they want to. And so, you know, I think that being positive with yourself, as you're mentioning, is, is really important. But what are some tips that you would have for, for people when they do get to those spots in races when things get really tough, either mentally or physically, they're, they're hitting kind of that wall or those challenging moments? I think this depends on the person. Um, I've been talking a lot recently about the influence that our brain has on our perception of effort. So, you know, when things get tough physically, you know, oftentimes that we find that we can sprint to the finish or we do have a second win. So clearly it's not that we're out of energy. It's just that it feels really hard and our brains govern the feeling of it being really hard. That's not to say, of course, that your body isn't working at a very hard capacity and it, it, it will feel hard, but sometimes our brain tell, brains tell us that we couldn't possibly take one more step when we know that that's not true because we just took another step and another and another and another. So for some people, I feel um, the advice that remind, reminding them that your brain and your body um, are on two different things, you know, that they don't have to listen to their brain sometimes. That can be very helpful to divorce their brain, that their thoughts from how they physically feel or what their body is capable of doing can be helpful. For some people, it's not helpful at all. <laughs> um, so like I said, it does depend on the person. But um, something else that it's important to remember, especially for longer races, is that for most rough patches in a race, they are just that. They're rough patches. For anybody who has stuck through, slogged through, if you will, a hard part of their race, typically comes out the other side, like miraculously. Like, you you know, you hit a rough patch and for like 20 or 30 minutes, it feels awful and you're pretty sure you're going to have to slow down or stop. And all of a sudden it feels better again. And you're not quite sure why, you know, maybe just you took some fuel or some hydration or maybe it just, you know, you got through your rough patch. But if you can keep looking for the other side of your rough patch, one of two things will happen. You'll come out the other end. You'll come out the other side of your rough patch and things will feel good again or better than they do or did. <laughs> not that they're not going to feel great, but they'll feel better. Um, or you'll finish the race. So, you know, either you, you went, came out the other side of your rough patch and you're dealing well again, or you cross the finish line. So both those scenarios are a pretty good um, outcome if you just stick through it and remind yourself that this is a rough patch, even if it's a rough patch that lasts all the way to the finish line. Yeah. I like the saying, it doesn't always keep getting worse, right? Eventually things can turn around if you keep sticking with it things can get better again. So it's an important thing to realize. You know, something that, that you and I talked about offline was about being too mentally focused for an entire race can be very draining. And the need to kind of save up some of that mental energy for when things do get difficult. What are some tips that you have for how you can stay in a more calm mental state early on in a race so that when things are getting more difficult, you can tune in and, and really battle through mentally. 
This is a tough one, uh, especially for people who are racing a new distance for the first time, or especially as we get back into live racing, because I feel like everybody's nerves are just going to be like amped up to 11. So part of what we talk about with, with fatigue, fatigue is physical, but fatigue can also be mental. So as you race, or as you've probably realized that you do any hard workout or long run, um, it's mentally fatiguing. And to have to focus on your running in such a concentrated way, either because you're trying to hit a pace or you're running in a really like tricky environment, like you're running against traffic on a busy road and you have to be like super focused all the time, it's mentally exhausting to do that. So the more mental energy you expend early in a race, the less you have to spend later when you really need your mind to help keep your legs in gear all the way until the finish. So something that helps, and it's hard in the COVID era, but if you can um, find a pack to run with in your race, if you can find a similar paced pack, uh, usually for larger runs, they have pace groups. So let somebody else do the work of pacing. Um, it can help, you know, if to listen to music or to not listen to music, depending on which one helps you zone out better. Some people need the music to zone out. Some people, you know, need no music to zone out. Um, and then again, this, this all comes down to part of why you train the way you do is to deal with being in your head for that long. So, you know, practicing now that, you know, hopefully you're not running a marathon this weekend, but if you have some long runs to practice with practice, not freaking out, you know, but practice being in that Zen space, practice, just kind of letting the miles tick by without thinking too much about it. Uh, and that's also really good preparation for race day, especially like I said, for that beginning part of the race, the first 10 to 12 miles of the marathon specifically, the less energy you can spend that early, the better off you'll be later on. Yeah. I, I think you, you mentioned the, the pace group and that's a great way to, to not focus so much on your own pace. Um, I like the, the saying it's easier to keep up than catch up. Right. So if you're just hanging on to, to somebody else and assume assuming here that you're you're keeping up with a group or with somebody that is running a pace that's realistic for you and not too hard, you know, letting somebody else do the work and and just kind of settling in and, and finding that. But if you are running alone, if you're doing a time trial or you are doing a race that's maybe a smaller event or a wave start where you do end up on your own, my tip is to really focus on tuning into how you feel. And that first third of the race should feel pretty darn comfortable. It might not feel as easy as your easy runs, but it should feel pretty comfortable for the first third. And not worrying too much about your pace, not checking your watch, not checking your distance and really just focusing on, okay, how do I feel and try to quiet your mind and, and settle into that, that flow state, I think can be really helpful. I was going to say something else that can be really helpful. This is where the race plan comes in, especially for the half and the full marathon. If you have your hydration and your fueling plan laid out, then that is like the thing that you should, you know, think about or occupy your mind really for the first, like you said, that third of the race, right? So you're not focused on how it feels. It should feel comfortable. You know, when I run at th those types of distances, like I'm really focused on getting to the point where, okay, now I take my first fuel. Okay. Now I take a sip of water. Okay. Now I take an electrolyte thing. So to have that super concrete plan laid out, like all I have to do is just connect the dots between my fueling, you know, stops 
that can also help the time go by faster without thinking too much about, should I take a few, you know, gel now? Should I, am I dehydrated? Am I thirsty? Like, I can't tell. Like if you already have that plan mapped out for you, that's just one less thing you have to think about. Yeah. And it can be something to, to kind of focus on, like you said, is you focus on, on those things that you can control instead of focusing on, am I going fast enough? You know, what, what are my splits? Am I slowing down? Am I speeding up and really wasting that mental energy focusing on, on your splits when they really don't matter? You know, you, the only time your, your splits really matter is in the later stage of the race, because if you went out too fast, most likely you're going to be slowing down. And that's, that's where you can lose a lot more time than if you're worried about, you know, a few seconds here or there in the, in the early stages of the race. So to wrap up here, we got a couple questions and I wanted to just go over these um, sent in from social media. So the first one is how to trust that you can do something that you've never done before. So a new distance or maybe a faster pace than you've ever run in, at a certain distance. Any tips on on this? I'm kind of touched on a lot of this already, but um, any, any additional in, info you want to provide? Yeah. And I'll say this is kind of the beauty of racing It's because you don't know until you actually go do it. It is a leap of faith. Like you were talking about planning for race goals that align with the training that you've done based on what the data says, but the data is, it's not a guarantee that you'll be able to do it on race day. So making informed race decision, race goal decisions based on what your training says you can do is important, but your goal is probably a challenging one. And learning to trust your training in your body is really, really, really important. Um, and it, it, I talked a little bit before about, you know, racing is a skill, the experience of racing. The only way you get better at racing is by racing. Um, you can, there's no, like you, you train to race, but the race experience itself is you can't replicate it in any other way. So the more that you race, the better you'll become at learning how racing's supposed to go. Um, and learning, when things are hard, but you can still give more versus when things are hard because you're just, this is just genuinely not your day. So, um, it is just a leap of faith. You don't know until you try. And some people have made unbelievable, huge goal smashing PRs on days that they thought may, you know, have just been kind of like, a, well, I just went out and kind of had no idea what to expect. And they ran an unbelievable time just because they listened to their body and kept going and did something really, really cool. Yeah, I think like you said this is this is a tough one to you can't promise anybody that they're going to be able to go out and run a certain time. But this is where I think having a coach is really helpful because on your own those doubts, those fears are going to build up and having a coach, somebody to go to to reassure you and say, "Hey, look at all the work you've done. Look at these workouts. Look at these long runs. Look at the total volume that you've put in. This is why you're capable." of doing this and having that realistic plan to say, this is why, this is all the work you've done. This is what proves that you are capable of doing this. And then also, as we mentioned at the beginning, like having those A, B, and C goals, I think is really important. And having that C goal, I really like to have the C goal as something that is pretty much a guarantee. You know, it's, it's almost a, a home run that you're going to get this no matter what, uh, because things can go wrong. Right. The A goal might be a little bit of a challenge, maybe a little bit of a risk. Things would have to go well. We know we're capable, but it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a tough test. The B goal is what we rely on. But if things go really wrong, we want to make sure that that C goal is something that we know we can crush. 
because we want that to to be there in case things do go wrong so that we don't uh, you know get to a point where it's like, all right, well, all my goals are out the window and now what's the point of finishing? Yeah, you always want you always need something more to focus on. Um, and I personally I bailed on exactly one race in my entire life and I did it was like a, a how to of not to you know go for a race. Like I didn't have a solid race plan. I went out too fast with a pace group I couldn't keep up with. I didn't have my fueling strategy in place. I was just going to wing it. Uh, and I it was a two loops of a half marathon course and I bailed at the half marathon because I was I was so far off the goals that I had set for myself. Um, that I just didn't see the point in continuing. And the the regret I have that I didn't just like stick it out and even walk the second half, like that I just, that I bailed instead of finishing because I didn't set a goal. Like if I'd had the goal of like, look, if all else fails, at least you'll just run a marathon. Like that's an amazing goal to have. If your C goal is to finish a marathon, that's an awesome goal. There's amazing stuff in finishing. There's nothing wrong with having one of your goals just be to finish. The second question that we have is, how do you stay motivated to run when you've lost all passion for it? So this is a, this is a tough one, kind of separate from the race day uh, kind of tips and, and all that. But what do you think for, for this individual that seems to be struggling with motivation to, to just get out and run? Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, but I think it, it does belong in this conversation because training for races can there can be a lot of ups and downs in the training itself. You're not going to be, mo- nobody is motivated to go on every single run in their training block. Nobody, not even the elites. You're going to have days, periods, maybe a week or two when you're like, I don't really feel like doing this, but you get out the door anyways. But that's really, really different from somebody who is completely lacking motivation and has, and is struggling with lack of motivation for a longer period of time. You know, if you are struggling for weeks or months with genuinely hating getting out the door and going for a run, maybe it's time to take some time off. Like don't force yourself to do something that you hate to do because you're just going to continue to grow that negative association between running and hating running. So there's nothing wrong with taking time off. Um, Not every season of our lives is going to be one in which we can run. So if you're struggling with motivation, as in like, I would rather do anything else than go for a run right now, and you felt that way for weeks or longer, it might be time to actually take a break, refocus, do something else, and then come back to running when you do feel motivated. Yeah. Um, You know, you make a good point about, about taking time off and Yes, there's a lot of value in being consistent with your running and ideally we we want to be consistent and and have a a solid base and build each training cycle on top of the previous ones, but sometimes you do just need some time off. And even the elites, even the pros, they take time off. I think, you know, famously Bernard Lagat was an athlete who who took off like a month or two after his kind of peak performance phase where he was doing a lot of races and so it's okay to just take time off and it's okay to do other things. I, I tell my athletes, like if, if you notice in yourself that you have three or four days in a row where your motivation is low and you're just not excited to put on the shoes and go out for a run, that's the point where you need to let me know. One or two days, that's okay. It's going to happen. It happens to all of us. But three or four days or longer, that's a, a big red flag that you might be overreaching in training or just in life. You know, you might just have too much going on that putting extra time and energy into your training 
just isn't realistic right now. So hopefully this individual can uh, can get some some helpful tips out of this and take a little bit of time off if needed. Um, I wanted to ask just some some quick hit questions to wrap up our podcast here. Do you have any uh, books that you're currently reading that you recommend? Yeah, so I just picked up the Comeback Quotient by Matt Fitzgerald. I love Matt Fitzgerald's books. He's a he's a wonderful runner. Right, he writes about running almost exclusively. Um, and this one's really interesting. It's basically it combines some principles of stoicism and how people are mentally able to overcome obstacles to create, you know, the stereotypical comeback, right? So like when all, all seems down and out, all of a sudden they come back and like they win at the very last bell, that sort of thing. So I've just started it, but it's um it's a fascinating, fairly high-level look at how our minds might operate in being able to cultivate some of the mental skills to make us more resilient in our running and just kind of our everyday lives. That's great. I'll have to check that out. Thanks for the recommendation. Sounds very relevant for this conversation. Um, next question. Do you have a favorite strength or um, you know, kind of additional exercise that you like to do separate from your running in your, your kind of daily or weekly routines? So like one specific exercise or kind of a routine or? Yeah, one specific exercise. So um, I started doing these a couple of years ago because they look cool. I do side plank crunches, which are, they sound, they look really awesome. Like if you, if you video yourself doing one, you're like, oh, I look so good. You go up into a side plank. So right on your elbow, you know, the straight line. Um, and then you do with your, with the, you know, obviously the upper side of your body, you put you start with your hand behind your um, hand behind your head and then like crunch so that your knee and your elbow touch along the side plane. Um, and I, you know, do like 15 or 20 on each side and it works, you know, your stabilizing muscles, your obliques, your core kind of, it's like a really easy whole body, cool looking uh, side plank crunches. Yeah. That's great. I do a lot of side planks, but truth be told, I do not do that variation of them. So I'll have to give it a try. All right. And then last question, any races on your schedule, anything you're currently training for? Yes, I have, uh, I have two <laughs> fall marathons, <laughs> um, that I signed up for. I have, uh, I, I you know, I don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Boston 2022, but if they go back to the traditional cutoff of, you know, races by mid September, I want to have a BQ in the bank. So signed up for a marathon right before Labor Day. And then my hometown marathon in the middle of October, which I'll probably pace my husband at for his first marathon. Uh, that's in, yeah, middle of October. So uh, an A race and then something more of like a, a fun run, if you can call a marathon a fun run. <laughs> Very exciting. And which ones are those? So the Green River Marathon is the one that's at the end of August. And then the Hartford Marathon in October. So I know Hartford's a big race. So uh, if all else goes well, I mean, I'll probably make a big deal about it on social media and maybe do a meetup group. And I know there are lots of runners in the New England area who uh, who run that race. So it could be a fun event for all of us. Definitely. Well, good luck with your training. Excited to see how that goes. And I will put your information in the show notes, but why don't you just say real quickly, where can people find you and reach out to you, get more information on your coaching services, your podcast and all that? Yeah. So I hang out most days on Instagram at running explained. 
And that's really the launching point for my website and my podcast, all links from my Instagram. So you can find me Running Explained or my website is runningexplained.co. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Great conversation and excited to see how your your training goes. You're, you're a great follow on Instagram. I love your graphics. They're very user-friendly and they break things down in a great way. So I really enjoy giving you a follow and seeing all the content that you put out there. So thank you again for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. That was my conversation with Elizabeth. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate a five-star rating. And also please share this with anyone who you think would benefit from hearing it. Check out my website at trainingwithtucker.com and feel free to reach out to me at tuckergrosscoaching at gmail.com with any questions about the episode or my coaching services. Make sure that you hit subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and I look forward to bringing you more information to help you become the best version of yourself.